morning. It's my opportunity to greet you. I'm glad to be here. We, uh, we weren't here last week. Some of you don't know that because you weren't here either, but that's all right. But uh, I am on some social media, but I seldom post. But I have friends and family that take pictures and put, put us up there. So, um, yeah, it was fun. We went to Ensenada, Mexico with the pickets and uh, a trip we've been threatening to do with them for several years. And uh, so, because that's what a good American would do for Thanksgiving is go to Mexico, right? And uh, all kidding aside, though, I do appreciate uh, um, some of you are praying for us, and we didn't have any border issues, and Dave knew how to skirt them, so we didn't do San Ysidro. We did one that's a little bit to the east, and we just got to stay focused doing our thing. So, hey, uh, uh, this little envelope, pick this out really quick. Uh, let's touch base on this. So uh, um, gift giving at Christmas starts with the original story. Can I get an amen on that? Right? And so it's really nothing new. We've done it every Sunday, uh, uh, every year as a church, uh, this time of year. And so I just encourage you to, to start thinking about that. Maybe you don't talk in your home uh, about a giving and offerings. This would be a great conversation starter. Hey, what do we want to do? If you have kids still in your home, maybe involve them and engage them. Um, and it's a perfect time uh, just to, to have that. It, this is... There's no set amount. It's what God puts on your heart. It's an offering, all right? So you do whatever you think God wants you to do. We set this aside, and uh, vast majority of it we use, uh, uh, in fact, uh, exclusively this last year, we've used it just for compassion needs inside and outside of, of grace when there's opportunities for us to, to help people out that are in need. And, and uh, so that uh, it tends to be a very good thing for us. So start thinking you can give any time, and then uh, as we have always done, a Christmas Eve service, our entire offering that night will, will be uh, considered part of our Christmas giving. And uh, But if you're not going to be able to make it to that or whatever, you can uh, uh, include it at any point, and we'll make sure that we handle that uh, uh, appropriately. So take out your note sheet. Uh, last week, if you had opportunity, Pastor Jared um, uh, took care of, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Uh, I want to remind you this morning that by virtue of the fact that you're here and you are well enough to have gotten out of your home and gotten here, you are a recipient of God's mercy. All right? And it is one of those things, perhaps you do a better job at it than I do, but it is one of those things that we can easily motor through life and kind of forget about. Or set it aside. We, we're, we're not thinking consciously uh, all day, every day about uh, how God's goodness and his withholding what we really have coming to us. We love to be, our humanity loves when we receive mercy, but sometimes, not always, maybe not this hour, maybe next hour, but we, we don't mind it when that person or that group gets what they got coming to them. And I see some smiling faces because you're honest enough to go, yeah, I've had that sense. But uh, remember that the Bible tells us when you've received, it's your responsibility to give back. Look quickly at the bottom of your note sheet. Luke chapter 12 says it this way. Much is required from those to whom much is given. And much more is required of those to whom much more is given. Friends, we are huge recipients of God's mercy on a continual basis. And so if you're a believer here today, it's incumbent upon you, it's incumbent upon me, it's incumbent upon our church culture to be dispensers of mercy. 
and let God take care of the rest. All right? And uh, we don't have to be ones to, to worry about a whole lot. I put uh, down on the bottom there, God shows us mercy, not because of our having earned it, because of our never-ending need. And I believe that truly. And so mercy is a great part of the, of the Beatitudes and one of the blessings. If you'll show uh, mercy, you'll, you'll, you'll have that return in your life. Now turn your note sheet over. What do we want to do this morning is look at verse 8, all right, uh, which is a great, great promise. Blessed are the pure in heart. What's the promise there? For they will see God. Now, if you, and, and a lot of times we do, and this year we decided not to uh, do a, the, a topical series on it, but uh, today's the first Sunday of Advent, which would be what? For those of you that grew up in that. Did somebody say it right? Hope, that's right. All right. So let me just remind you that as we look forward to, as we anticipate uh, the birth of Jesus Christ in that celebration, we have hope. It's true hope, solid hope. It's not wishful thinking. Uh, we can bank on the promises of God. And verse 8 says some interesting things. Uh, um, we're going to look at what it means to be pure in heart and then try to understand what, what the Bible says when it means that they will see God. Let me be abundantly clear in case you check out here in just a minute or two uh, mentally. Uh, 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 here's what I need you to, to know. Scripture here is talking about a difference between external and internal. That's your first fill-in there on the top of your, your sheet. The birth of Jesus Christ that we're going to celebrate here in just a couple weeks is all about internal change. Jesus didn't come to run for political office. How of you know there's probably never been a political party that he would have fit into? I mean, I'm not talking just American system. I mean, I'm talking any. He didn't, he didn't come to be part of the governmental structure. All right? He didn't come to reform the economy. He didn't come to, 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 to interject uh, into society and agenda. What he came to do, friends, is fix the internal heart problem of people. It's universal. What's the word? The biblical word is called sin, right? Sin separates us from God. And Jesus came to deal with that internal component, and that is absolutely critical when we look at this uh, uh, portion of the Beatitudes today. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What Jesus didn't do is, is try to just come and give you a facelift. Give you a new wardrobe, uh, you know, sort of clean you up and, 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 and send you on our way. What Jesus is always trying to do is work at the core of who we are. Look at your note sheet in Matthew chapter 23. Um, Y'all got your steel-toed boots on? Because this is kind of hard-hitting, but it's the truth. It's scripture. He says, you are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish. But inside, what's the Bible say there? You are filthy. Now, realize he's, he's talking about the teachers and church leaders of the day. All right? Now, that doesn't let us off the hook, but that's to say he wasn't talking about people who, you know, kind of sort of were thinking about God that, you know, went to, to worship once every so often. These are people that knew better. But inside, you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, says verse 26, first wash the inside of the cup, and then the outside will become clean too. 
Do you see the picture that is painted there for us? It's not about just washing the outside of us and, and uh, uh, keeping up appearances, if you will. When we look at these Beatitudes, it's internal stuff, and that's what Jesus came to do. Work on that, 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 that self-centered part of us, that, that self-indulgent attitude that just can, without even you working on it, creep right back into your life. What he's trying to do is say, hey, the, our heart of humanity, uh, the core of who we are is our heart. And if we don't deal with heart issues, guess what? We got big, fat, ugly problems. You can spend a ton of time, friends, working on the outside stuff of your life, the, the external, any, anything structural. And that's not altogether bad, but if you don't take time to wash the inside, you'll never see the lasting change that Jesus came to grant us. It just won't happen. And so when we look at this, it's easy to go, yeah, you know, pure at heart. I'm, I'm, I'm not evil. I'm, I'm not plotting harm for people or to overthrow government or to defraud somebody or whatever. He's really, really pushing us as individuals in a church to look and say, hey, what's at the core of who you are? What are those things that, that, that drive you and that cause you to do either good or to do not so good? 1 Samuel chapter 16, you've heard me uh, reference this many times, all right? But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider uh, the appearance or his height. Let me just stop there. I know you've missed this the last couple of weeks, so I want to get you back in the habit. How many of you have ever judged somebody by their external appearance? In fact, and I know you're guilty of this, I'm guilty of this, a lot of times that's how we describe each other. We say this person is tall, this person is short, this person is skinny, this person is not so skinny. All relative terms, by the way. If, if, if uh, you're like somebody in my family and you're five foot one, to be five foot five seems to be really tall. Right? If you grew up on the north side of six foot and you all of a sudden became five foot five, that doesn't feel tall. Right? You ever been guilty of that? What if, just, just, just think as a side note for a second, what if we describe people by characteristics? And said, next time somebody says, hey, do you know so-and-so? And you go, yeah, they have dark hair or no hair or whatever, you know. What if you said, yeah, is that that person that's really nice? Is that that person at work that's kind, that's always willing to sub in for somebody or change schedules or whatever? But what we tend to do, our humanity, is to look on the outside. Say, oh, yeah, that's the guy that always wears a hat. Man, I've never seen the guy without a hat. I mean, I, I saw him in the store. I didn't recognize him because he didn't have his hat on, right? But the Bible says, don't consider that. For I have rejected him. And it says, the Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Let's stop again. How many of you have as some goal in your life to try to act like Jesus? Is that on anybody's radar? Okay, so the 12 of you that are tracking with that, let's keep reading. All right. 
Lord doesn't look at us that way. Does he know those? Sure. Is he aware of it? Yeah. Could he describe us in, 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 in painstaking detail? Of course. Man looks on the outward appearance, say it out loud, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's the important thing. I mean, God created you. He knows your size and shape, and he knows you know, what's going on in your physical world. But what he looks at, what he values, is your heart. It happens, friends, and we need to be careful. But, but sometimes we think, man, what went wrong? Well, probably what went wrong in that person's life is an issue of the heart. Something maybe that was brewing for a short time or maybe a long time. But, but if we don't take care of that inside of us, we end up in deep, deep weeds. I didn't have a, a space for it, so I just put it on your note sheet there as far as to see off. So Matthew chapter 12, another great descriptive metaphor for the, the importance of this internal health, being pure of heart. Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 35 says, A tree is identified by its fruit. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. How evil men can uh, speak what is good and right, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. How, how, how crazy would it be to run around an orchard and with, with rotten fruit and, 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 and take a rag and try to polish it all up? Who would do that? Nobody would do that, right? What's a farmer do? He tries to take care of the tree, probably dealing at the very core, at the, at the root system. What, how can I feed this tree? How can I make it healthy? How can I make it produce good fruit? Verse 35 says, a good per- person produces good words from a good heart. An evil person produces evil words from an evil heart. Simple to understand, but profound, isn't it? Out of the abundance of our heart, what's the scripture say? Our mouth speaks, right? Friends, if you don't hear anything today, hear scripture say how critical, important it is to have a pure heart. Because you can work all you want on the outside and the external stuff. Let me give you a, a quick example. We got government programs on top of government programs. And I'm not here to rail specifically on those and talk about their efficiencies or their inefficiencies. But, I, but, I, but my mind has went several times in thinking about this to our, our, our children and family services because of our engagement with the foster care system. And if I were to share with you one frustration, it's that we can do all this external stuff, but you know what the real problem is? And it's my problem, too. I'm not saying them. I'm saying us. I'm saying included, right? In fact, I was talking to a social worker here several months ago, and and we had this big meeting, and and, uh, it was kind of changing, and and they didn't need me anymore, and, and, and so... I was standing outside, and, and this individual came, and we were talking. And we're talking about the similarities between being a social worker and being a pastor. Now, can you just think real quickly with me so we don't have to spend a bunch of time? They're not totally different, right? 
uh, um, you're, you're trying to help people, you're trying to, trying to move people from one place to another, but, and, and honestly, I didn't have any, any of these thoughts formed or whatever, so I'm, I'm, I'm 100% confident it was just God's ability helping me. I said, but you know the difference of what I get to do? I get to deal with the core issue. I get to deal with people's spiritual health. I said, which I know, even if you want to, you, you can't. By virtue of the system, the way it's set up, they don't get to deal with that. Right? Anybody been a part of or had somebody in your life that's been part of a, a, a drug or re, a, a, a alcohol rehab program? You know, the ones that are vastly superior in their success rate? Faith-based programs. Why is that? That's a firsthand amen in case you don't know her story. Right? Why is that? Because you can, you can move all the deck chairs around, but until you deal with the broken heart, the loneliness, the lack of God, then, then you just don't get there. And that's what this beatitude is talking about. How pure is your heart? Now, let me just say that. That word pure does not mean perfect. Probably don't even need to say this in this room, but you're not going to achieve perfection on this earth. But it does speak to intent and desire and willingness. Do I have inside of me a, a, a heart that says, hey, I want to do right by God as much as I can, as often as I can, as quickly as I can? Or am I somewhere over here on a continuum that says, hey, I just kind of don't want God really mad at me. I just kind of don't want God on my back this Christmas season, so I'm going to be a little bit nicer. I mean, come on, for the most part, we're adults in here, right? You're no longer behaving, hoping that you're going to get a Christmas gift from some guy flying around in a sleigh. <laughs> Curtis, we'll have a conversation later, but I didn't. Right? I mean, you know what I mean? Silly motivator, right? No, the, the, the thing with the pure heart says, hey, am I going to be that person that says, I want to be working on that thing which God is looking at? My heart. The thing that none of you can see. The thing that we get pretty good at disguising. Not letting people know. I think it's one of the saddest things on a Sunday morning. People come in and you're hurting and you won't let anybody know. Don't do that. Let somebody know. Let somebody pray with you. Let somebody share a scripture with you and encourage you. Because that's part of what we get to do in 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 a corporate gathering on Sunday morning. But seven days a week, 365 days a year, where's your heart at? What direction is it? Headed. So if we look at that, then we see, hey, this is really the core of where we're at. We have these metaphors of, of dishes. How many of you have dirty dishes at home right now? I'm going to close my eyes so I won't. I don't, I don't know what it is, and it's not just a woman thing. Some of you think that, that dirty dishes in the sink is the cardinal sin. All right. Let me give you another option. How many of you are ready for another option? That's why you have a sink.
unless your house is, is very different, there are some modern ones, but uh, typically a sink is below counter grade, right? Does that look like you Just saying. But eventually you got to do the dishes, right? And you don't just wash the outside of the bowl. In fact, you wash most of the time where most of the mess is, on the inside where all the ick and ook is. You clean it with super hot water, and you dry it, and you make sure that it's ready to go. And that's really what Jesus is drilling down here on us. Hey, here's a way to live the blessed life in your life. And I'm going to remind you again today, you're not called to work on anybody else's. In your life, your heart, take care of that cleaning duty. There seems to be a, a cumulative effect, and, 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 and sometimes we get a little bit comfortable with, with dirt or with filth, and we think, oh, it's not that bad. Some of you may have grown up in a home like me. I'm not saying my mom has OCD, but, I mean, we vacuumed that carpet a lot. Now, come to find out, she just wanted us to wear it out so we could buy a new carpet. But anyways, that's subject for a different day. Well, with, with five people in a house, you generate a little bit of dirt, right? Friends, just moving through life, the, the, the corrosive nature of our society, you're going to need to take care of the internal stuff. Let me encourage you to do it out of love and desire for God's best for you. What I believe firsthand experience, what I believe from reading God's word, what I believe from observing other people's lives, is you know what? It does change the, the outside as well. So one of the things I like about some of our recovery programs, you can just see people's countenance change. They're just different. Their attitude is different because their heart is different. Their speech is different because their heart is different. Right? Some of you are shaking your hand because that's your story or, again, somebody in your family's story, somebody that you're close to. Don't buy into the, well, I'm just going to run through the car wash of life and I'm going to drive and everybody's going to think everything's good and great. When internally, when the, the critical stuff, it's, it's, it's a mess. So pure in heart is the, is the, is the half that we want to think about here. James chapter 4 describes it this way. Come near to God and he will come near to you. By the way, if you didn't notice, that's a promise. All right? Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. One of the things that, that is real consistent in Scripture when we're trying to, trying to define what does pure-hearted mean talks about a single-mindedness, both in the affirmative, uh, uh, affirming a single-mindedness and then also speaking against being double-minded. What's double-minded? Double-minded means I'm not all in. Double-minded means, you know, I, I, I know Scripture says this, but I'm going to live here too. Maybe you describe it as trying to get the best of both worlds. I know enough about some of your stories to know you've already discovered this world actually doesn't have a lot of good to offer. We're passing through, it's a temporary home. There's a single-mindedness that needs to be in place. 
That's why it's possible. When we say a, a pure heart doesn't mean perfect and, and, and you're, you're never going to make a mistake. It does mean you have a singular pursuit. I want my life to be what God designed my life to be. I want my life to count for the things that God wants my life to count for. I want my life to be a life that consistently, whether success or failure, but whatever I do, it's a life that glorifies God. So one of the things with with a a pure heart is that single-mindedness. The psalmist wrote it this way, Psalm 24. May we climb to the mountain of the Lord. Who can stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands are clean and hearts are pure. Who do do not worship idols and never tell lies. That's not terribly complicated, is it? It's interesting to me how many times in Scripture it talks about clean hands. But we understand that language of, hey, I'm not engaging in stuff that I shouldn't be. I don't have any, any guilt, any, any shame, anything that I'm engaging in that I feel like, ooh, my hands are clean. My life is, is, is headed as best as I can in the right direction. When I make a mistake, I quickly repent of that. Repentance is a, a true sorrowful heart before God and then an, a, a turning a different direction. Not just saying, okay, I'm not going to do it for another two weeks or two days or two years. But, but you remove that thing from your life. You head a different direction. Why? In order to please God, in order to honor God. Only those whose hands are clean, whose hearts are pure, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. I want to just throw out a word there, a caution. A lot of times, idol worship, we think of little statues. Okay? And that could be. I'm amazed at the, the amount of that in our current culture. All right? Much more than, than even just a few decades ago. But truly, friends, a lot of things can become idle at a heart-soul level. When the pursuit of those things outweighs your pursuit of God. You want to know where my mind goes? Eh, retirement. No, I'm not anti-retirement. There's been a huge shift in our society that just, you're supposed to point your entire life toward, well, what's the reality? We're not going to be able to work our whole life. Does that sound reasonable? Can we agree on that? But I doubt, I highly doubt, friends, that's why God created you and me. To do our own thing for 50, 60, 70 years so that we can do our own thing for the rest of our life. So I'm just saying a lot of things can become idols. Stuff, whatever your thing is. And I'm a firm believer everybody's got their thing. doesn't matter what it is. Clothes, cars, boats, vacation, it could be a lot of things, right? When those things start to capture love and affection that deserves to only be given to God, then you probably have an idol problem. Does that make sense? All right, so don't just think, hey, I don't have any little carved statue uh, in my house, and, 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 and so, so I'm fine. Matthew chapter 22 says this way. They're trying to get information out from Jesus. Maybe they're trying to trip him up. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, 
all your soul, and all your mind. That's a pure heart. Again, that funneled focus, that intentional focus, that refocusing when you need to that says, hey, I want to have a pure heart. That's something that I want. That's a goal. That's a desire that I have. I want to pursue that. Now, the promise of that is, is amazing to me, and it's a, and it's a sentence that is, is for now, and it's also for the future. What is the promise? They will, remember, no trick questions at Grace. I didn't change anything in the last week. See God, thank you. So we had a little moment of confusion there. So if your heart, if my heart, if any believing heart is, is directed intently towards God and doing whatever it takes to live a life that honors Him, the promise is you will see God. Now, short of a couple very unique historical experiences that I, I believe, but could we agree this morning uh, without a lot of belaboring uh, uh, not very normal to actually physically see God, right? Now, there'll come a time, right? That place is where? Heaven, all right, all right. But what about today? I don't think that this, there's no indication that this is strictly a promise about the future. Hey, live your life here on earth with your pure heart, and you'll see God. That's part of it. But when we look at Scripture, we see a lot of people who talk about having seen and experienced God. I'm, I've, I've struggled with the word experience because sometimes experience gets us in a lot of trouble. <laughs> All right? I'm not talking about things you couldn't support from Scripture, things that would be inconsistent with God's character. All right? But I'm a firm believer, and I hope you believe with me quickly, that God would like to love on you today. He'd like to provide some care for you this week. He'd like to come in the middle of that situation and, and, and help you out like nobody else can. Those are forms of seeing God. As a pastor, no doubt about it, in fact, if I could reference back to the, the, the social work uh, uh, conversation, uh, um, Every time their phone rings, it's a problem. Now, sometimes when my phone rings, it's a problem. Something's happened. That's just our life here on earth. But how many of you know that's not all day, every day? Why? Because God loves us and he cares for us. And his desire is that we would see him working, moving, doing things in our everyday life. And so as a pastor, that's probably the best part of my job is watching God answer prayer in your life. Dare I say, watch you struggle through things and then have God show up like only God can show up. How do you know God's good at showing up? He is. So think about it. Think, we're going to look at Scripture here in a minute, but, but just think about your life. I, I desperately hope that there's some times that you know that you're convinced beyond any doubt where God has showed up in your life. Not because you deserved it, not because you got to that perfect, pure heart, but because God's heart is towards 
his children. And he's loving, and he's kind, and he's patient, and he's generous, and he's full of mercy, and he's full of grace. And so when we have those times, we need to enjoy that. That's a gift from God to his children. When we get to see him, did you, did you physically see him? No, but you know that you know that he came and he encouraged your heart. You know, you know that he poured patience in you that you didn't have. You never had him. Not like that. That was God. That was God showing up in a very specific way in your life. And I believe that that's a, a good portion of what this verse means. That when our heart is toward God and we're, we're striving to do it right, one of the things that God loves to do is come and take care of his kids. Provide what you need. Give you a different perspective. You know, one of the things this you know time of year, we talk a lot about seasons of light. I love light. I'm not afraid of the dark, but my house is never dark. Why? Because I'm not afraid of the dark. I like light. God comes into our life, friends, in so many ways. And what I fear about my own life is sometimes I just don't even, I don't even see him. Maybe I get so busy. Maybe I get so used to it. Maybe I'm so used to God's kindness and love and grace, I just kind of go, yeah, that's, that's, that's my life, man. That's my deal. Hopefully it's not a, a, a callousness that says, oh, yeah, I, I kind of deserve it. I mean, I'm a good guy. I mean, I've. I haven't created, you know, felony crime in at least 72 hours. I mean, you know, God should be showing up every day. This Christmas, I want to encourage you to look for opportunities to see God. I believe they're there, friends. I'm going to tell you again, I, th I think they happen probably more often than, than we're aware of. Why? Because when we learn God's character, and we study who he is, and we see how he's interacted with humanity, he's always there. And if I said something like, how many of you believe scripture that, 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 that says that, that Jesus will never leave us or forsake us? But what about that day when you feel really alone? You just have, and you're not even talking to anybody about it. It's a heart thing at your level, and, and you're having that struggle, and and, and you know intellectually that he doesn't leave you, but, but you're feeling pretty left. And then God comes in and just comforts your heart, and you just go, wow. That's seeing God. I'm not talking about a, a physical manifestation of somebody walking in a room or something. But when we get to see the evidence of his character in our life, what an amazing gift. It's powerful. It's life changing look at psalm uh, 117 at the bottom of your uh, uh, note sheet like <laughs> you know what i learned i learned this week there's only two verses in psalm 117 just a bit of free trivia for you for he loves us with what's the bible say there unfailing love i was looking up love and and god's faithfulness and his consistency all right and and there's a ton of scripture about it. 
The faithfulness of the Lord endures, how long? Forever. Praise the Lord. See, when we get to experience that, it causes us to praise Him, to say, thank you, God. God, thanks for showing up. Thanks for helping me with this. Thanks for answering this prayer. For some of you, that's just not tangible enough. And what I just have to tell you, friends, these are the best gifts. These are the true gifts of God. When you have that wonderful sense and knowledge that God has forgiven you and forgiven you completely. He's not holding it against you. He's excited about your future. He's excited about the things that he's created for you to to do, the things he's already done, the things that he's anticipating that you'll grow into because his knowledge of, of God's master plan for your life. Those are great gifts, and that's when we get to see him show up. I didn't, again, just because of space, uh, one last scripture, Psalm chapter 27, if you want to write it in the margin there and check it out. Verses 7 through 12 says this, listen to my pleading, O Lord, be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me, and my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. I want to stop there. Friends, when you feel that tug in your heart of God saying, hey, come on, we haven't talked in a while. Hey, sit down and just be quiet. Now, some of you, that's not that difficult for. Some of us, that's more difficult than others. When God calls you like that, respond in the affirmative. I promise you'll benefit. Verse 9 says, do not hide yourself from me. Do not reject your servant. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me. O God of my salvation. And there's an exclamation point there. Verse 10 says, even if my father and mother abandoned me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the path of honesty. For my enemies are waiting for me to fail. How's that for just a candid conversation with God? Don't let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done and breathe out violence against me. Can you see the conversation that he's having there with his God? That's seeing God, knowing that God's real, even though you, you, you can't physically touch him. But the Bible promises very clearly, is blessed are those who are pure in heart, they will see God. Yes, the ultimate fulfillment is that time in heaven. But we have God with us now and always and often. Wouldn't it be nice if that meant problem-free living? How many of you take that? Just like one forever Christmas gift. I don't need anything else. I don't think it's available. But what is available is the opportunity to see God in your everyday life. Issues, whatever size, small, medium, large, extra large. He's with us, and he's for us. Kevin's got one last song for us this morning. Would you stand, and I want to close this in a word of prayer. Ask for God's help, for his continued blessing on our lives and the ability to see him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the clarity of your word and the promises. Thank you for your promise for mercy. Thank you for your promise that we will see you when we have that undivided heart, that focused 
intentional desire to live right for your glory. Lord, my first prayer would be your help with that. That you would help us to have a desire to do right stuff. Whether it's popular or unpopular, whether people notice or not, whether people approve or disapprove, we would live our lives for your glory. Change and transform our hearts, Lord God. And then secondly, Lord God, give us eyes and ears. And even as odd as it sounds to say, give us a spiritual sense that you're with us. That we could see you answering prayers. See you responding to situations where we didn't even necessarily stop and pray and invite you and ask, yet you're there. You're with us and you're for us. Thank you for the great hope we have this time of year as we focus our whole society, really the world, on the birth of the Savior. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for blessing our lives.